And so we can do those light studies and we can show whether it's within or without the common standard margin of what's acceptable lighting. It's not going to be too obnoxious, right, or jarring. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then you can make adjustments to the display accordingly. Hello and welcome to the Dactronics Experience Podcast. I'm Justin Oxner here with Matt Anderson. Today we're joined by Jen Kleitz and Shauna Hansen from the Dactronics Sign Legislation Team to talk about digital signage in on-premise, off-premise, and out-of-home applications. This includes some of the terminology, regulations, and considerations that can go along with digital signage. We've got Jen and Shauna here today. Jen, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm pretty good. I have Matt Anderson here too, but Shauna, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, very good, thanks. Okay, now Matt, you, you know. Yeah, I like how you mentioned I was here and then went right to show, but I'm doing good today, Justin, thanks. Good, glad glad you're here, glad <laughs> good you're, you're feeling good. Uh, Jen, can we start with um, your position with Dactronics and kind of your background and how you got into that position before we jump into today's topic? Yeah, so I am a Associate General Counsel here at Dactronics. Um, I am local to Brookings, attended South Dakota State University. I majored in political science and Spanish there. Go Jacks. And then attended, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> attended uh, law school at USD in Vermilion. And then also uh, I went for a year at William Mitchell in, in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. And Shauna, how about you? Yeah, I am general counsel here at Dectronics. I've been with Dectronics for almost 15 years and a similar educational path as Jen. I'm a JAX alum and went to law school at USD and actually started my first internship here at Dectronics. So I've kind of grown up within the company here uh, from a career perspective. So really quick, there's a Go Jacks and a Go Yotes, but both South Dakota, right? <laughs> That's right. It just depends on who our audience is. We play either side. There you go. <laughs> we'll make two versions of this podcast, depending on where it gets published. <laughs> right. Yeah, made the big mistake one time. I'm going jogging on Hobo Day weekend in a in a coyote's uh, <laughs> visor. Oh, oh, oops. Dirty looks. <laughs> okay. Um, but for today, what's, what's our topic here today? Matt, you want to jump into that? Yeah, we can introduce this and, and get the ball rolling here. So today we're going to be talking about regulations and how that applies to our, our digital signage that we make. Um, and to answer a lot of kind of the questions that we hear from customers out in the field, so I don't know if we want to jump right into kind of uh, maybe the terminology. Jen, Shauna, either one of you want to kind of lead us through that part of it? Yeah, sure. I can get us kicked off here. Um, so our legal group has taken on the sign legislation work here for about a year and a half now. And, um, and while we can't provide legal advice to our customers, we're certainly happy to help out, look up codes and um, answer questions just based on our experience. And, and so to do that, I think sometimes it's helpful to have a, a shared understanding of certain words and what they mean. And uh, so some of the words that we come across in, in this area that we practice is uh, on-premise on and off-premise are big ones. Right. And so on-premise is really referring to those advertising displays that are at a business where the business is located. And they're typically advertising for things that you can purchase inside that um, building or facility. And then off-premise is, you know, the opposite of that, right? So it's billboards along the highway or other advertising that's happening off-site that might direct you to another location to get services. Uh, other words that might get thrown around are sign code, regulation, legislation. Um, those things are all really interchangeable. So what you're going to see is you're going to see different codes or regulations at every level 
uh, of government. So we have city and county, state and federal. And so when we're looking at a location and trying to understand, hey, can I put a digital display here? We have to think about where is the location and what are the rules that apply? So we're looking at each of those. Um, and even within a city or a county, there's a lot of times zoning, right? So they might say, okay, this is a business zone and so you can do certain things. But if you're in a residential zone or a different type of zone, uh, you might see different regulations. And so uh, that's that's where the zoning terminology comes in. And oftentimes there's a permitting process. Uh, and sometimes that permitting process requires you to get permitting or uh, authority authorization from several levels of these um entities uh, but all of that's part of the permitting process so uh, Jen any other terms that come to mind for you that uh, we often hear in this space um yeah I know I think you pretty much covered it as far as the terminology that's that's the most common yeah and maybe Jen um if you want to expand or Shana you can too but um you mentioned you know there's there's this on-premise versus an off-premise or out of home and I heard you kind of mention there you know zoning obviously has an effect on what can or can't be done but are there any kind of like high level main differences? Like w there are these two different terms. Are there any kind of general, you know, obviously legislation issues, a billboard versus like you're saying a on-premise one, like a Burger King kind of display? Is there any major things to think about between those two? Yeah, it's kind of a, it's a complicated answer. So I think it, it sort of depends on where you are, if there's a difference or not. Um, you'll see different zoning and different sign codes in different areas and some some sign codes are based on on your zoning. So, for example, you might have a zoning code that says um, signs of, you know, X, Y, Z height and um, setback are permitted in, you know, X, Y, Z zoning district. Okay. So that's, you know, that's one common way that things are set up. You said setback. Is that the distance from the roadway? Is that what you mean? The zoning laws will, or the, the regulations will tell you you know, where you measure your setback from. Yeah. So okay. sometimes it might be the middle of the roadway. It might be, um, you know, the right of way. These are all defined differently. It's very, very specific to where you are and, and how your, how your um, locality has described these different, these different concepts. I think uh, when we're talking about on-premise and off-premise, it is a distinction that we are seeing in a lot of different codes. And in fact, right now, um, there's a Supreme Court case on this particular issue with uh, different parties on different sides of the issue, some trying to eliminate the distinction and others that are supportive of the distinction. What we find in our experience is that for on-premise signage, it's, uh, it tends to be easier to get permits. Uh, mm -hmm. It seems to be a simpler process, not always, but generally speaking. And these uh, off-premise or out-of-home permits can be a lot more complicated uh, and more difficult to get because cities and counties tend to not favor those as much since it's not uh, related directly to the business that's on that location. Okay. So does, does zoning, I'm, I'm guessing that it's each is kind of in its own situation. Like they look at each situation because if it's a zoning issue, maybe it's in a business district that's been zoned for business, but it's technically off premise. That would still be a little bit harder than if it were an on-premise in that same zoning district. Right, right. So the definition of on-premise and off-premise will appear in the code. And oftentimes the distinction is whether or not you're advertising for 
a business that's on that location or not. And that's the distinction they're trying to make. So that's what's being argued at the Supreme Court is that a content-based distinction and thereby unconstitutional and protected by free speech. And we won't get into that because that's really complicated. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's the premise of it, right? That's the idea mm-hmm. of, of the distinction. Okay. And and that's the difference of on-premise, off-premise in a like a business zoning district. So like a silly example would be I can't put a, a digital sign in my front yard <laughs> if I'm in a residential <laughs> area, obviously. Yeah. So there's there's those distinctions for a reason. Like nobody wants um, something way too bright, shining messages in a residential district. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the basic I think concept. Yeah. So you may- although there are places that don't have zoning at all, there are jurisdictions where there isn't zoning. So you could put a billboard in your front yard if you really wanted to. You figure out what, what one of those areas are. <laughs> you just got to figure out what city to move to. to yeah, Matt's <laughs> trying to figure out where he's got to move now. <laughs> I'm trying to think. There's that, and this is probably this is semi off topic, but there was that. Um, on the interstate, that uh, family that puts up that scoreboard on the side of the interstate, and it was always supposed to be for the hometown uh, football team. It's between here and Sioux Falls, I think. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that. Yep. Yeah, I don't know what the what the regulations of that be. It's, it's scoreboard uh, out of home. <laughs> like, yeah. Does it have ads on it or anything? But I don't know. Um, but anyways, going back to kind of the, all these different terms and the different uh, things you have to consider. I mean, it sounds like a lot of this, right? So. And we have some customers listening that may st- start to think about, you know, getting into this for the first time. Um, when we think about customer support, though, so like you guys, you both mentioned that you're part of the the sign legislation team. So what are what are some things mm-hmm. we do from a customer support uh, perspective to help them out in these areas? Right. So I think that probably the most common thing that we do is, you know, a customer will will want to install a sign and they'll ask. The, the sign legislation team to look up their their local codes in their you know, wherever they happen to be and tell them whether we think that it's likely or unlikely that they'd be able to put a sign there. Um, that's probably one of the more common things we do. Um, another thing we do is a lot of a lot of localities have rules about the light output that's permitted to to come from a sign because obviously mm-hmm. LED signage has light output mm-hmm. um, so we can provide information to them manufacturer certification letters that tell them this is what Dactronics product is capable of how it comes out of the factory um, that that type of stuff um, we can provide light studies if there's a concern about the light output um, and and the permitting authority is requesting that type of information, what will, you know, how much light is going to fall on a neighboring location, that type of thing. We also just have a lot of, you know, general information that we can provide, you know, Dectronics manufacturers, signs and sells them across the United States. We have lots of, of contacts and lots of industry contacts that have um, developed studies and, you know, case studies, research, that type of thing that will help that could help a customer to approach their local government authorities and talk about things like, well, you know, local governments, depending on where you are, can be concerned that too much digital signage might be hazardous to like traffic conditions, might create accidents or, you know, might be ugly and really, really bright. We have case studies, research papers that speak to both of those concerns and other, other common concerns. Um, we have some resources available right on Dactronics.com. If you navigate to the sign legislation 
sites. Mm-hmm. Um, others are a little bit more, maybe more complicated or a rarer kind of request. So we have others that aren't available on our website, but certainly we can can come up with other things to provide customers if if they need or are interested in that information. So those are some of the things we we can provide. And um, you're talking about, you know, light studies or code lookup, mm-hmm. and it's it's some of that information to help for their zoning in their areas and things like that. What are some of the common questions you get from um, either the on-premise or out-of-home customers when it comes to, hey, can I put a sign here? Yeah, I think really the most common one is is around zoning or location. Can I put a sign here? How big can it be? Um, you know, that type of question is really the most common. All right. So we're talking about the different areas that we do help customers with. And we kind of talked about it a little bit before we started recording the episode today is that while it's important to kind of know what do we do for customer support, it's also important to know what we what we don't do. Right. So there's some point where kind of the line's drawn where we can't do certain things. Could you maybe dive into that a little bit? Yeah. So that's a good question. Um some of the things the sign legislation group doesn't do is we don't go out and actually obtain the permits for our customers. Uh, We don't provide legal advice. We don't provide legal representation. uh, If the customer chooses to appeal or seek variance on a declines uh, permit, but what we can do is provide the support, provide the information, help them create the presentation that they need to go to their local city or County board or whoever the decision makers are and really help the customer prepare to tell their story in a way that, you know, based on our experience and what we've seen, we believe will be successful for that customer. And I'm thinking, I mean, there's, I mean, this has got to be one of the advantages too, right? We don't, I don't think we have the number offhand of how many different on-premise and out-of-home displays we have ever done, but it's a high number, right? So (laughs) we talk about (laughs) you saying like what we've seen and what's been successful. It's one of those, we've been through a lot of things. What's the insurance company model I always screw up? We know a lot of things because we've seen a lot of things. Yeah, we, um, yeah something like that. <laughs> farmers. Is it farmers insurance where he goes, because we've we seen. We know a thing or two because, because we've, we've seen, seen a, a thing, thing or two. two. That's what I keep thinking when you guys are talking about this because it is all these displays out there. We've been through all these things there's, and we kind of know what works, what doesn't work. And we've seen a lot of stuff. There's so. literally more than uh, literally thousands of digital billboards yes. that we've installed. Across uh, the world mm-hmm. even. I mean, yes. we're even just talking not, <laughs> not just in this country, but across <laughs> the world. And um I kind of I can't remember who said it if it was if it was you Sean or you Jen but you know light studies are the term is there is there anything more to that besides I mean not knowing much about lights uh, just studying how much light is coming off the board or kind of what is what does that even study kind of look like Yeah that really is what it um what it does and so we have an engineer who does this work he runs the numbers uh but you run it at certain nits and you measure it at certain heights and And it really becomes this whole circumference around the display. And he can show at different distances how much light is hitting uh, that distance in that area. And so where we see them being most helpful or where they're requested is when we're close or adjacent to a residential area or another area where, um, you know, nighttime light might be a concern. And so we can do those light studies and we can show whether it's within or without the common standard margin of what's acceptable lighting. It's not going to be too obnoxious right or jarring mm-hmm. uh, and, and then you can make adjustments to the display accordingly so if you are having too much light at an adjacent property you could just reduce your light output during certain hours of the day and sometimes that's enough to to get the city or county or the, the permitting authority to say okay that's an acceptable solution and, and we'll 
give you the variance or we'll give you the permit. That's interesting. I thought about it. You, you mentioned like the intensity of the light. I thought about that, but I didn't think how intense is it at a certain distance? So you're, you're talking the entire circumference around the display and how far out that intensity is and where it drops to and all those different variables. That's more in depth than I had thought when I heard the term light study. I know light study, I mean, sounds easy, but it's one of those that there's gotta be more to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is really complicated. And, and the light studies don't take into consideration, you know, all the ambient light or the other lights that are around mm -hmm. the display that washes out the intensity. Uh, but it really does give you a worst case scenario. And so when you're talking to a permitting authority, it's really, it can really be persuasive, right? Because you're saying this is the worst it can get and it's never actually this bad because you're never all white content. You're mm -hmm. never on that bright and there's always other lights around that are washing this out. So, you know, when you consider all those things, it's it's not as bad as you think it's going to be. And, and that's helpful. Yeah, you're, you're preparing for the worst scenario and knowing that it won't be nearly that bad, which is always great. Start, start with the worst and work your way back to say it'll be more like this, but we've tested right. it to right. here. Yeah. Um, maybe you've covered some of these, but do you have uh, any specific advice or tips for, for those looking to acquire permits for these out-of-home displays? So I think that really the most important advice is know, know your community, okay? Um, the community standards are just a really important thing if when you're looking to install digital signage. So some communities are skeptical of electronic signage, kind of envisioning envisioning their town turning into, you know, the Las Vegas Strip type of a thing. Um, so I think that that is the number one thing. Have a really good finger on the pulse of your community so that you know how far that you need to go. Um, you know, what information am I going to need to present in order to make this happen. That's good. And then um, there's definitely some good tips and things like that too. Is so I'm, we talked about preparing, I don't know, preparing for the worst. Is that how you said it, Justin? Yeah. But it's um, so when, when getting a digital permit, right, it is possible for it to get denied. So does that mean it's kind of the end of the road or what options do these sign companies or customers have if they get a, a denial on their permit? Sure. Um, you know, when you're talking about, permits and and your government there's always going to be an appeals process um it can be complex it, it really depends why the permit was denied and at what level it was denied and that type of thing um but you know there's usually there's some there's some way to appeal um a denial if if the return on investment looks like it makes sense for the customer yes you know, depending on why the permit is denied, sometimes we find that customers can be successful just modifying their plan. So mm -hmm. maybe just putting in a smaller display or, you know, lowering the height of the display is sufficient. And then they can resubmit a new permit application and see success that way as well. Because okay. when you get a, a denied permit, do they, again, because I've never gone through the process, do <laughs> You mentioned it could be something easy to kind of fix. When they get denials, do they explain why, or is it just a straight up usually, nope, you don't get it? And like if it was because of a sign height, do they know that when they get the denial, or do they have to kind of research that again and find out? So I might actually back up a little bit and say, you know, it's not when you're when you're wanting to install signage, it's not always a permit that you're looking for. Um, you know, lots of times a permit will be required, um, but there's like, like we maybe mentioned a little bit earlier, there's lots of different levels of government and mm -hmm. potentially a lot of different processes that are existing even on, you know, a, a location. So, mm -hmm. you know, within a city or a, or a municipality, a township, that type of thing, you probably are looking at a permit um, if, 
if you're permitted to have a sign in a in a commercial area, then you would apply for a permit. And, and if it was denied, then you would maybe go down the road of, of appealing. Um, but if you're talking about a billboard along like a highway, that would be governed by the your state's Highway Beautification Act implementation legislation. Mm. That's like a mouthful, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, <yeah>. federal, <laughs> the federal government, <laughs> yes. Well, the federal <laughs> government passed <laughs> passed the law a long time ago in the seventies, I think, called the Highway Beautification Act. And this law said every state has to has to pass a law that says something at least as restrictive as this Highway Beautification Act. So all fifty states do have some type of of regulations around in a rural area, or maybe rural is not really the right word, but outside of a municipality um, along the primary highway systems, mm-hmm. how often signage can be installed. Um, and there, there's a lot of regulations around that. In the case that like your state's Department of Transportation is telling you that you can't install a sign there, that's not really a permit. Um, I'm not sure what the what the correct terminology would be. It probably varies from state to state, but, mm-hmm. but yes, in that type of a situation, you're definitely going to get a letter and the letter is going to tell you, you can't put the sign here because X reason. And oh, then yeah. you're, you have the ability to, to appeal. Now the appeals process is not always laid out in the letter that you get. So you oh, might man. have to do a little bit of research, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but there is, there is a process but that you can follow yes okay so they kind of let you know at least what's what there might be it, <laughs> that that's holding you back and and it's not necessarily the end of the road if if you get denied on a permit or or something end of the road there i see what you did <laughs> it's um so i'm even thinking i don't know how much the both of you are involved in it too but it's i've heard from before too like sometimes you may have to sign up but then you also have to be careful of the content on it right like i know we've talked to i think it was Joni uh schmeichel too about mm-hmm add loops and you know some places on interstates you can't have motion live motion video or blinking lights like you said you would never have the display on all white so i know i don't know how much both of you get into that too is it that's something that just happens afterwards like you get the permit and it, whatever it is to get approved to have the sign and then all of a sudden they realize hey you're not you're not treating that right you you <laughs> have videos going you have this or this going does that ever happen yeah, so we do get involved with that. Like when we do the code lookups, we're trying to get all of that information to the requester, the the customer, so they understand what they can use the display for. And it is pretty common to have that type of language um, in right written right into the code, right? No animation, uh, mm-hmm. no flashing. You have to hold advertising for some minimum amount of time, maybe okay. five seconds or 20 seconds, depending um, so we're sharing that information. And what we do is we do provide this certification letter, a manufacturer's certification letter that says that our displays are built with features that help the customer manage these things. Nice. Of course, the customer can go in and change those settings, but <laughs> yeah. the display is designed in a way um, to meet the code requirements that we're seeing most often. And so we do help try to support customers in understanding that. But you're right, if the customer were to choose to do something or use their display outside of what it's been permitted, then there could be enforcement actions. And we don't, we don't get involved as much on that side of things once, um, once mm-hmm. the display is up and running, but oh. we could just nobody's asked. 
Okay. So we do design the display and deliver it to help the customer succeed, right? We, yeah. we set it up with those things to try and help We don't them. want them to get dinged after right. it gets installed. Right. Let's follow these guidelines. Let's make sure that, uh, you know, now that you've got the permit and everything's going right, let's, let's keep it positive yeah. and make sure that right. this gets in, up and running. Mm -hmm. And I think Matt hit on an interesting point there. The, the content of it, you think, okay, this on-premise or this billboard, they put up some content for either advertising purposes or to help promote their business. But is it true there could be some community benefits to that as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think that we have seen, well, COVID's a great example of this, right? So I know that our content creators uh, put together a number of content pieces for different customers of ours related to, you know, different COVID protocols or clinic times or any of that kind of public service announcement stuff. Another good example, I think, are these Amber Alerts, right? So there's a lot of billboards mm -hmm. that sign up and are part of this, and you get an Amber Alert out, and it displays on the billboard. And so it, there's there's certainly benefits with respect to those public service announcements. And then I think, you know, your business owners, they're part of a community. They're connected. They're networked in with the other people within their their town. And and so they'll oftentimes, I think, uh, provide advertising for the nonprofits or the schools or other people that they can help out and um, and help drive revenue, I think, for those nonprofits or drive attention and, and get people moving in those directions. So Yeah, you mentioned definitely. schools, too. And I, I remember even just in the past year and a half, there was um, people using their digital displays to honor their seniors for high schools oh, and yeah. their graduations <laughs> and, and during COVID. And they were, they were using that to, you know, shine a light on them and support them during that time, too. So there's definitely multiple uses of the display when it comes to content once it's already <laughs> installed, right? I, I agree. I think that your limitations is just how creative you can be, right? The display is there and can do all kinds of great things. So get creative and yeah, make it work for you. And I'm thinking even, I mean, so when, when customers are looking to put a sign up, right, I, I think we're covering a lot of, a lot of good things here in mm -hmm. the sense that some places, maybe it's, it's easier to get a sign installed. Some not so much. Like you said, Justin might find a place where he can pull one up in his front yard. Yep. Um, but then I, I, I just keep thinking the community aspect part of this or letting people know that there are things we do to our product to help with regulations. Cause I feel like a lot of this is kind of helping if you were to go into a situation where there's like a negative connotation just in general of signs going up and being either distracting or whatever it may be. And then it's kind of one of these things I think you guys are covering a lot of good points, but I just feel like that community benefits thing is definitely a huge part of it. Like you, you have to sell this essentially to someone to approve a permit or what have you, what it would be. And being able to say you can do a lot of these things has got to kind of help with that. I don't want to say it's an argument, but yeah. that debate maybe. Well, and it brings up another interesting side of it. What if it's uh, going up on a city-owned property? Could the city then use that to help send messages about... Uh you know, we're in South Dakota, snow removal. Could they, could they say, you know, weather announcements related to the city of like, Oh, road closed or something like that. They could use it in those different ways that, that benefit the entire community. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think too, just to add to that conversation, you know, a lot of people are concerned about the aesthetics of lots of digital displays, but if you think about, you know, a digital display can change its messaging a lot like what you're talking about. And so instead of having 15 static signs that have all different designs and mm -hmm. colors in a particular parking lot or area, you could have one shared digital sign, right, with maybe a little static sign, and it's going to look a lot nicer. It's going to look yeah. a lot cleaner, and it's going to be more aesthetically pleasing. And so, like Jen mentioned earlier, really understanding 
what is your city concerned about or what's your area concerned about? Is it the aesthetics or is it the safety or what is it? And then we can help, you know, help you tell that story or help our customers tell that story with different information we've gathered. All right. So, I mean, again, these are a lot of things from either, I say the legal issues when sign codes or zoning and trying to think of these different things. Um, and then also just general use of the displays that calm people down. Um, lots of good things we've talked about today. And I know, I know uh, it was mentioned earlier, you know, we have a, a website page for, for sign legislation, but just kind of curious to you, if someone does want help with uh, putting up a, a sign and they're worried about these issues, what's the first thing they need to do for us to help them out? Is it just to say, Hey, Hey, I need to talk to, I need to talk to Jen and Shauna here or kind of what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I yeah. think if, if you're a customer or a sign company and you have questions about uh, sign legislation in your area, just reach out to your salesperson. They know how to get a hold of us and uh, they'll connect us up and we'll we'll ask the right questions and get the information we need and we'll do our best to support you. All right. Well, there you have it. A lot of good information about sign legislation from different zoning things, different terminology, what we, what Dactronics can do for customer support. So um, with that, thank you, Jen and Shauna, for joining us and sharing all that information today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dactronics Experience Podcast. Please subscribe at your favorite place to listen to podcasts to keep up with our latest episodes. 